Hello everyone and welcome uh, to another Here Today podcast with me as always uh, are Morton and Amanda. I'm Charlie and together we form the editorial team of Here Today. Hi Charlie. Hello Charlie. Hello Morton. Hello Amanda. Now <laughs> first things first, uh, January is always a bit of a slow month when it comes to uh, gigs here in Copenhagen but um, it's starting to speed up again. Um, guys, are there any upcoming gigs in the next couple of weeks that you'd like to uh, talk about or recommend? Amanda? Um, well, I'm looking forward to uh, this weekend, Anna von Hauswolf, and I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly, poor thing. But uh, she's playing at Jazz House. It's, um, it's already sold out, but it should be a very... Uh, we've already discussed how much we love Chelsea Wolfe, and she's very much a kindred spirit of hers, so I'm looking forward to that. And you'll uh, try to drag Morton along, who's a big Chelsea Wolfe fan, so... Yeah. Probably. And Morton hasn't decided yet if he's going to go along, though. Morton's no fun. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't got the Morton seal of approval just yet, but... Then there's uh, also actually Daniel Nogren, which um, I myself haven't actually listened that much to, but a f- trusted friend of mine <laughs> told me long stories about how great this concert was. He was listening to him in Sweden, and he brought all his friends, and every one of them fell asleep except him. So um, Again, great endorsements. <laughs> ringing endorsements. <laughs> Everyone uh, fell asleep. Yeah, but... It, Yes, it should be good though. So, the one so guy who was awake. Daniel Nordgren, I mean, can you tell us something about what kind of music? Yeah, it's like about? a focusing songwriter kind of thing. Ah, one of those dudes. Yeah. Well, forget about that, kids. <laughs> <laughs> if it ain't hip hop, we don't give a shit. <laughs> Cutting it out, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but it is true. Um, well, I think I might be the only one who's actually been to a show so far this year. That is true. Actually, yes, we ne- really need to talk about the live this show. I'm very interested to hear <laughs> yes, more. Yes, the, uh, the live act playing the songs of The Sound of Music, which was... <laughs> it was a very uh, interesting, if disjointed experience. But uh, it was them performing, you know, mostly their own songs, and then there was an intermission, and then it was followed up with a selection of the classics from the 1960 film. So we got to, and you know, a few months ago, because the band actually performed this. Uh, the set in North Korea. They were the first ever Western rock band to play in North Korea. It was celebrating the uh, country's Liberation Day. And I have no idea how anyone thought that was a good idea, but it was wonderful. And there's going to be a documentary about it out this year, so I absolutely want to see it because it doesn't look like, from the trailer, like it went terribly well for them. So. Mm, yes, one more. So a Slovenian industrial band definitely would be the first choice for uh, for North Korean of, yeah. Liberation Day, yeah. 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 And also your first choice to hear um, my favorite things, of course. So which, you know, John Oliver did a, a bit on that when they had announced it, and it's yeah, it's exactly how it went down. <laughs> so. 
<laughs> As advertised. Can't complain. So. Do we know why, though? Um, actually, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but The Quietest did an interview with them just this past week about what their fascination is with the sound of music. But when you have a, a band who formed in the 80s and were very much influenced by like the you know, end of the iron, you know, the iron Curtain, I think that there's probably some parallels for them to that kind of, you know, thinking about just how much how much of like an anti, you know, Nazi propaganda machine that film really is considering it only came out 15 years after the end of World War II. It's, it's, it's kind of hard to think of what a parallel would be in, you know, later years for films that were so, uh, that took such a firm stance against, you know, recent conflicts and recent wars, really. So. Well, the other interesting thing, actually, now that I think about it, because I do remember, I remember, I think Slavoj Žižek in one of his, one of his films, it may have been The Pervert's Guide to the Cinema, was talking, at some point is talking about um, The Sound of Music, and I think that was either banned or heavily censored. I think a couple of songs were censored in the, in several um, sort of, Soviet countries. They were actually banned in Slovenia for, well, I guess former Yugoslavia for a while. Like they were not allowed to to play. Oh, you're talking about live acts themselves. Yeah. yeah, like there was an actual like ban on them. The big question that everybody is asking herself or himself, apropos of Leibach, of course, is: Are they taking themselves serious, or is it meant in an ironic way? Well, I think, of course, this is the wrong alternative. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, so maybe, maybe this is just a, a way for them to, to atone, not not atone for that, but somehow sort of bring some end, some some. I think we do, and I don't comes want to. around in a circle. Well, right? I, I don't want to get too political because if I do, I'll never shut up. But. Um, you know, I, I think we do, even as dramatic things are happening around us, as they are in Copenhagen, you know, I think we sort of lose this perspective of what it was because, you know, of what really happens in the 30s and the 40s because the, the cast of characters is different. So we don't have the same sympathy that we all, I think, imagined we would have. You know, when we look back at it retrospectively, we sort of need that reminder that you know we're looking at really very much the same thing now i think we everybody should sit down and watch cabaret the movie <laughs> yes <laughs> great idea is that, for you cabaret is the ultimate of uh... i think it's a good way to uh, to to Ooh. to see what's uh, like it, it's it, it puts things in the perspective like how how the world is changing around you and you've feel it a little bit uneasy but you kind of live on with your life and then suddenly you're in deep shit well it has the best songs i'll give you that it does yes and it has apparently some good songs apparently again martin i thought you'd seen the same film as us i did but i was not so much into the music you're the you're the one person who who watched cabaret and go it's really good i mean the songs suck but you know (laughs) again he's into the nipple paint The only way to be really subversive is not to uh, develop critical potentials, ironic distance, but precisely to take the system more seriously than it takes itself. 
seriously. And I think that this is maybe one of the keys to Leibach strategy. What Leibach is doing is precisely bringing to the light of the day this inherent transgression, which precisely in order for the system to reproduce itself must remain hidden. Right. Um, anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, any more uh, gigs coming up soon? Yeah. Uh, I believe, um, so uh, just at the end of the month, we have uh, a Loppen, we have uh, Tremolo Beer Gut, yeah. which I think are uh, guaranteed from that. Yeah, right? definitely, definitely. Surf, Western country kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, they, they live up to the name. It's a lot of, you know, yeah. <laughs> surfy guitar. <laughs> Sune Wauner used to play in the Tremolo Biergott, Sune Wauner, who is also in the Revionets mm. and the Psyched Up Janice, if anybody remember them. And then we also have, speaking of the 90s, Suede. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's the 1st of February. Um, so, who, who, which one of us is going to that? I'm pretty sure you're definitely going to try and see that, aren't you, Amanda? Uh, I would go if I could photograph. Not my favourite of the Britpop bands, but... Mm. I would, again, I would not object to taking photos of Brett Anderson for an evening. Yeah. Very, I mean, no one has tried harder to be a certain era Bowie than Brett Anderson, right? No. <laughs> at least in, hair, in terms of hairstyle, at the very least. Well, if you have to try to be Bowie, that's a good place to start. And uh, for other concerts, we can also actually go into, because we actually have two uh, shows coming up in early February that are also, uh, uh, how do you say, act uh, actual, like uh, that are with the albums that are Oh, also, uh, like yes. Well, maybe, yeah. Actually three. Three? Yeah. Okay. Dora Totvers and uh, Shearwater. 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 <laughs> that album is quite good. Um, Again. So many great endorsements tonight. <laughs> it is quite good. I'm I'm particularly fond of the song "A Long Time Away." That's uh, I recommend it very highly. But it's just wonderful, moody, broody indie rock, which I will never tire of, which says a lot about me. Mm. Moody, broody. Moody, broody. The last, broody. the last couple of times they have been in uh, Copenhagen, they played this hit parade album. Like they played the sel same album like a, as a concept tour, so maybe they'll play something new this time. <laughs> Considering they have a new album to <laughs> promote, maybe. It would be perverse if they didn't, wouldn't they? It would. Okay, we talk albums now. Sure, let's talk albums. Yeah. And uh, one album that actually came out, I believe it was the 22nd of January, we have Savages. 
Yeah. Coming out. So yes, new Savages album. Very exciting. It is actually exciting. Yeah. Makes me think of PJ Harvey and Nick Cave. And when I think of PJ Harvey and Nick Cave... You have warm fuzzy feelings. I have warm fuzzy feelings, exactly. <laughs> So Adore Live comes out January the 22nd, uh, Savages, and they'll also be playing in March, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I believe in Copenhagen or probably yes, playing sorry. other places as well. But we are in Cop- Copenhagen, yeah. so yes. <laughs> and <laughs> it is the 7th of March, if I believe yeah. correctly. And at Vega. Vega, yes. Uh, which is where uh, we saw them a couple of years ago. Other records are coming out. On the same day as Savages of Dual Life, uh, Fat White Family are releasing their... Uh, what do people call it? Their sophomore effort. I hate that phrase. Well, they're releasing their second album. Yes, <laughs> songs for our mothers. Uh, you know, wonderfully eatable title. We yeah. dig it, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll be there. But actually, echoes of uh, of uh, songs the Lord taught us. You know, the cramps. Mm. But uh, but Charlie, like, for those who are not have not seen the light yet, what is it that that is uh, so fantastic about. Are you asking rhetorically, or or is it something? Or, I, or are you? I think sort of he wants you to educate him. Actually, yes. Okay. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I go. feel well. It's an interesting question, actually, because they are an incredibly divisive band. I mean, mm. I think mo- a lot of people would dismiss them as being just sort of shitty musicians which is uh, if you li- if you listen to one track superficially I could see how that opinion would come across however when we saw them live I think it was undeniable that they can all play yeah. perfectly yeah. well and they're a great sort of unit now their aesthetic is particularly weird in that they started off as a country band evidently the most sort of fucked up country band anyone has ever heard mm, country's pretty fucked up yeah well you know they went definitely went for the they didn't try to clean up the image of it though you know <laughs> if if country music is fucked up in the backstory they they push the backstory into the sort of onto the stage really mm. um and they just uh, they have a wonderful fucked up sense of humor there's just something so fatalist about them like you really get the impression yeah. that they're going to implode at any second. And when you have that kind of energy, even if it's negative energy, it, it comes through. That's what it is. You're right, exactly. It's this uh, just impending doom. Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. Well, it's a, de- it's a sort of dedication that you can tell is fraying that they, they're quite open about having a lot of sort of internal difficulties probably born out of the, their sort of various intensities we were speculating i remember when we saw the gig about how long they were going to last and i think we were all a little bit surprised to find out that they've managed to uh, <laughs> make a second album. A second album um at the moment the only track that's out that we've heard or i know that you and i've heard is um 
whitest whitest boy on the beach mm. why, do, why do I always have to inflect that whitest boy on the beach whitest boy on the beach <laughs> um, which is a great kraut rock sort of chugging weird mess uh, which we enjoy Obviously the new uh, Yeezy, I'm saying that sound cool, but I'm not cool. So no. let me say that in an uncool way. The new Kanye West album Swish is coming out soon, uh, February the 11th. Um, no, I can, I can see from your faces not many opinions about Mr. West. However, he does provide a great segue for us because um, part of the news in, in the last couple of days is his... A rather dubious uh, claim that he's going to make a David Bowie tribute album, which leads us to the really, you know, the record of the month, which is, of course, David Bowie's Black Star. Yeah. Record of the month for sad reasons as well as good reasons. But, yeah, uh, I think I would have been, I mean, I would have loved this record even if it wasn't, you know, if it wasn't shrouded in the drama that has surrounded it, because... I think we can agree that that has to have been the greatest exit ever. Just, you know, it's that one of those moments that if in the film version, you'd be like, give me a fucking brick. But when yeah. it happens in life, you're just like, okay, props, that's well done. But if anyone can choreograph that, I mean, it's David Bowie, right? Of course, yeah. When she touched me like a dude, hold your bad hands, I cried. You know, I was just I was listening to it and thinking about how it had such a strong like Scott Walker influence in his voice and how it was just you know I was you know I was I was bowled over by it. I was really enthusiastic about it and then <laughs> it's now it's probably going to be the greatest swan song ever. I don't think anybody's ever going to top that. No, it's a, it's a hard one to top. I mean. I suppose it's easier for some, like some people's swan song, if they die very young, yeah. it's quite easy to do. When you're 69, yeah, it, that's, a, that's an impressive yeah. move. It is. And I mean, it's the thing about it is and that I was, you know, thinking, I was really thinking about a lot um, in the last week is how I was, there was so, I had so much exposure to this record because so many people that I knew across generations were so genuinely enthusiastic about it. There was so much love for it before his death, which, I mean, to me, makes me feel quite good about it because I was thinking a lot about Michael Jackson's death, you know, I guess it's six years ago, seven years ago now, and how it was sort of like, oh, he was a, you know, he was a punchline because he's like, he was going to do this. 50 date run at the O2 in London 
and everybody's like, there's no way he's going to make it through that, and, like, joking about how he was not physically up to the task, and then he died, and suddenly all the sins are absolved, and we love him again. Mm. It wasn't really like that with Bowie. There was love there before he died, and it makes it feel that much more genuine and that much more tragic, really. Yeah, the the amazing thing... I mean, it's... It's always a strange phenomenon when a celebrity dies, but David, like... David Bowie's death has been... The aftermath of it has been completely different, I think, from... from I haven't seen anything quite like it. I mean... Yes, I mean, if you've had, you have arguably bigger celebrities, like sort of Michael Jackson, I think undeniably is a bigger celebrity. His death was a bigger thing than David Bowie's will be yeah. to some degree. But however, de- like Bowie, yeah. what's amazing about Bowie is just the spread, the amount of people he has reached and the diversity of people he's yeah, reached. Absolutely. From the freakiest freak to you know the yeah. most people like my parents who are yeah. you know about as normal as they come which i know is always slightly surprising to people but um they always told me very fondly the fact they saw him on the uh the spiders from mars tour back in 74 at radio city in new york and that was like their first real brush with counterculture they'd never you know, they liked the music, but they had, you know, never seen a drag queen before. <laughs> so, and were suddenly, you know, suddenly surrounded by people who embraced a completely different lifestyle than them. And what I find very endearing is that they also, um, they look back very fondly on that. And we're still saying, you know, how much they, like, what a great time they had. And, you know, they would have been like 20, 22 at the time. Yeah. Um, Amusingly, my mother-in-law was also at that concert just by coincidence that she was on a field trip with her, you know, senior class in high school from Illinois. <laughs> they all went to New York and they thought they were going to get to see the Rockettes at Radio City, but that was canceled because David Bowie was in town. They did not know who David Bowie was. Oh wow. This is in seven, what? This would have been 74, yeah. So you have to imagine what it would be like for a group of 17-year-olds in 1974 from the American Midwest to mm. be in New York, one, kind of traumatic, two, amongst David Bowie and the sorts of people who like David Bowie. <laughs> but uh, we, we have a good laugh about that now. It's just one of those fun coincidences in life, and who'd have thought that? <laughs> Such people would cross paths again when there was really no <coughs> way that that would have happened otherwise. But yeah, they were very disappointed they didn't get to see the Rockettes. Don't let me hear you say light, taking you nowhere. Look at that sky, life's begun. Nights are warm and the days are It, it's again it's weird I feel like every generation to some degree has their David Bowie I didn't think I in a way I didn't think my generation was having one until until it turned out that you know 
the next day came out because yeah. probably too young for that weird 90s stuff. I remember that weird 90s stuff. I remember seeing him on MTV with Trent Reznor. I mean, I'm a huge fan of I'm Afraid of Americans. Yeah, I love I rem- that show. But I remember that video vividly yeah. and being perplexed by it. <laughs> He's wearing a very odd orange sweater, I seem mm-hmm. to remember. <laughs> thing to say, I can't think uh, of many other people. can't think of any other people who have achieved that. No, that's true. Yeah. Who have reinvented themselves every single decade. Yeah. So it's been, uh, there has been, I think, a real sense of mourning in the life that's kind of, it's consistent that when I was getting to a point of thinking like, okay, I need to be a bit quiet about this now because it's been a week and such. And then in my Twitter feed appears like, hi, I'm still sad about David Bowie. And it's like, okay, continue. Like if you're familiar with the uh, former New Yorker pop critic, Sasha Fair Jones, like his feed since Bowie's death has been nothing but posts and reposts and links to old interviews to tributes to like amusing anecdotes to it just like it's, it's just become like a Bowie archive at this point well yeah because the other the other amazing thing about about his sort of constant reinvention is that he's also so documented yeah because other artists you know may have had their heyday in the 70s or the 80s yeah. and we know so much about them then and then as they get sort of yeah. less popular that sort of dwindles but David Bowie's sort of been going on been in the public eye since the late 60s yeah. we have so much mm. of his stuff and there's so much to so many weird gems to troll through yeah it's really only the last 10 years that he sort of said not doing this anymore mm. which is another it's... like bold yeah. move that not many people not other not many people would have gone for I mean Maybe maybe decided to go the full Scott Walker. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. And now, Scott Walker Bowie tribute album. That is one something I would like to hear. Yes, very much so. Uh, I I think Scott Walker may be the only person who could pull it off because he would do it in such a strange. He would. He would out Bowie Bowie. Yeah, yeah. I I'd love to hear it. So Scott Walker, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> You're not listening. It's Monday. We slither down the greasy pipe. So far, so good. No one saw you. Hover over any freeway. You will be like your dreams tonight. You get up and sleep. You get up and sleep. Told a lie. Similarly, I don't think any Bowie tribute is going to beat the uh, Jarvis Cocker Sunday service. Mm. That was really, I think, so wonderfully done. And I'm saying this as a suggestion to anyone who is listening that they should go over to BBC Six Music and look this up because it is just such a fantastic collection of really varied tracks, alternate takes, live performances, weird demos um, cut in with archived interviews of Bowie of people he's worked with and it's you know it's a it's a very very unique and very special um memorial to him Mm. Uh, on a lighter note still on six music uh, bbc radio six music you can also find uh, adam buxton's tribute to Bowie now this was actually made a couple of years ago when the next day came out uh however you will not find a funnier more loving tribute 
than that. It's full of it's full of strange skits because Adam Buxton does the best Bowie impression ever. Uh, includes a solid defense of the Laughing Gnome. I don't think I've heard anyone defend that track as well as Adam Buxton has done. And in general, is a is a very entertaining and sort of uplifting journey through Bowie's life, which. You know, if you've been particularly sad over the past few weeks, I wouldn't blame you. This might be a way to sort of re-emerge into the light somewhat. Mm. And we will we will have the link in the website, of course. Ah, yes, yes, we can definitely link those. Yes. Hello again, this is Charlie. I uh, wanted to give you guys a couple of notes on this month's episode. Heard a number of tracks, starting with Liebach's Tanz mit Liebach, uh, followed by the Tremolo Beer Guts cover of Das Model by Kraftwerk. Uh, we also heard Shearwater's A Long Time Away, Savage's The Answer, and Fat White Family's The Whitest Boy on the Beach. Uh, David Bowie tracks uh, were Tis a Pity She Was a Whore from Black Star, Golden Years from Station to Station, and Joe the Lion from Heroes. You'll have also heard uh, clips from an interview with the Slovenian philosopher Slavoj Žižek in which he's talking about Leibach. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at HereTodayDK, that's all one word course it's twitter and uh, on facebook at facebook slash here today dk of course our website is here today dot dk and finally i'll leave you with an outtake from our podcasting session the other day in which i possibly mistakenly decided to imitate what i thought lieback might have sounded like covering uh, the songs of the sound of music Maria's not an asset to the army. <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually, that's kind that's, of a That's going to be the intro to this. <laughs>